0: Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Jean Storley. Jean is the president of Storytelling. She designs and facilitates processes to enable creative collaboration in solving business challenges. Hello, Jean. Hi. So, what does that mean? What does that mean we can solve our business challenges by storytelling?
1: Yeah, well, um, the problems could be uh, strategic or innovation, possibly technical or marketing communications. Whatever it is that a team is trying to crack the code on, I can come in and help them combine analytical rigor along with stories to spark wild imagination. And shed new light and different insights on, you know, tackling those challenges. And so what I do is I weave a variety of story-based techniques into the creative problem-solving process and um, help them, uh, you know, kind of reflect on what they're trying to solve in different ways. Got
0: you. So give me an example. Like if I came to you with an issue in my business, um, perhaps it's something I feel like I need to communicate better. Mm -hmm. to our clients and and do you help us to understand like how to craft a story around that and are there visuals or what does that look like
1: well the first step would be to clarify the problem to solve because there's no right answers to wrong questions so there's this diagnostic phase um I like to do a 360 surround on evaluating that problem. Perhaps talk to stakeholders who have perspectives on it, kind of get a range of different stories. So that would be a story gathering phase. Um, Probably talk to users, take a look at how competitors are communicating about that same topic. Um, Maybe talk to thought leaders Uh, Dig into data. We want to find out, you know, where's the science, if it's a scientific or technically technical based uh, communication and sort of get all the ducks in a row and then would probably work with the team and people would probably be tasked to divvy up those activities and then come together and collaborate and share all their insights. And then while we're doing that, we would be looking for themes, but also looking for what are the stories inside that data? And as the team starts to see those stories, the problem gets more clear, the data makes sense. So like facts and data tell us the what, stories tell us the so what. So that's really the first stage is clarifying the problem. And then once we have a really precisely defined challenge statement, we're ready for ideation. So that's the second phase of problem solving is to generate as many ideas as you can about that problem. And stories come in here really well too. I like to use stories as stimulus before we do a round of ideation because it's stories tap into the imagination. And so the ideas that are generated are going to be more rich. They're probably going to have a greater degree of empathy because stories also evoke um, compassion, trust, and empathy, um, help them understand the user better. So We'll be using a combination of just tried and true brainstorming ideation techniques along with stories to generate lots and lots of ideas. And then we need to use some sort of a a deliberate process to converge on um, what are the, the most high potential ideas. And then after that, the next stage is testing, developing, and prototyping. Again, stories can be very helpful there. They can help bring the winning ideas to life so that when you communicate it to stakeholders, possibly test it with users, people are imagining what is that idea better than simply giving it the fanciful name that the team came up with and it means something to them, but what does it mean to others? So like gotcha. the ideas plus a, con- or a story plus a concept or a story plus a prototype will help people imagine what you're, where you're trying to go. And then the last stage is to implement. And then, you know, uh, setting up timelines. You probably need to get other um, uh, experts involved and, in, you know, maybe the advertising team or PR marketing team and let those people do their business, do what they do well in um, executing that. But again, that the story and the concept will inform What is the end goal so that people don't veer off track? And I've seen so often development teams go sideways because they, it's like the serial game, you know, the telephone serial game where you start with one idea and every time it gets communicated, it gets sort of twisted and reinvented. And that story can kind of help the team see the true north of where it is we're really heading with this concept.
0: Yeah, well, and you're, if you're dealing with creative people, our minds tend to go in all kinds of places. Right. So keeping us <laughs> on track, that's a whole other deal. That's, so this is fascinating. Um, and I mean, where did this come from? When? At what point in your life did you say, I know how I can really help businesses get it together with storytelling?
1: Right. Well, like, like many of uh, your guests, um, and I love their stories about how they have mashed, and that's perfect name for your um, <laughs> podcast, Mishmash, mashed different parts of their life together to end up doing these really creative things. And it's, my story somewhat the same. So my training and um, educational background is in the healthcare field. I'm a registered dietitian, and I have a master's degree in exercise science. And I spent um, the first decade of my career leading wellness programs, And then I began to evolve more into being a health and nutrition communicator. And I spent about a decade doing that type of work. And then I got hired by General Mills and I spent 13 years in the company working on health communications, but also helping the business teams identify innovation around health that they could use to message. So for example, the Cheerios um, heart health message is based on a clinical study that shows that um, Cheerios is the only ready-to-eat cereal that helps to lower cholesterol. But that message is put together in this very creative way that's really true to the brand essence of Cheerios, which is kind of pure, simple food, wholesome, good. It's a food that babies eat, the first food they eat, and then here it's good later on in life to take care of your heart. And all of those advertising advertisements um, really evoke that emotional side of heart health, as opposed to someone coming out in a lab coat and saying, this is good for you. (laughs) Um, so I certainly didn't come up with that ad that was brilliant creatives and the advertising agencies, but I would sit in on team meetings, helping them translate the science so that they could understand what boundaries they could play in, in order to let their creative, um, their creative side go. And if they went too creative, then, you know, no, no, you know, the science really doesn't quite um, support that direction. So anyway, after having worked on a number of those kinds of projects, I really did fall in love with uh, innovation, just this connecting the dots between the scientific and emotional side of health. Well, in 2012, then I got laid off and I um, call this my opportunity disguised as loss. Um, I love it. I'd had, yeah, I'd had a wonderful run there at the company. Nine years were absolutely fabulous. But the last four years, I had really been starting to feel a little stale and wondering, you know, is this what I want to do for the rest of my career? At that point, I had, at the point I got laid off, I was 55. So I was very fortunate because I was also then retired out and I had, um, little bit of a pension, which that and my severance gave me my running start to develop storytelling. And during that year, I call my severance my sabbatical. So that was the first gift that I had this one (laughs) year to really keep, you know, I didn't have to worry about a paycheck because I was getting one, but to just think really deep and do a lot of soul searching about what I wanted to do in this next and probably last chapter of my life. So what um, Insights emerged is that I was really kind of tired of of the technical side of working on health projects. I didn't really want to be the one that was digging into the scientific articles and um, uh, telling people you can and you can't and dotting the I's and crossing the T's. I just, that wasn't exciting. But what I really loved was cracking the code on the problem. I also discovered that I really like collaborating with people and that when you bring the power of people who have deep expertise in all different disciplines and on harness that, so much can be done. So that began to come to mind. And then I knew that I had good communication skills, Um, having been a nutrition educator, a wellness coach, um facilitated lots of groups back when I did my wellness group you know I probably facilitated over, th- over thousands of people through weight management courses i had a lot of insights on you know how humans tick from doing that kind of wellness work and that um i started to see this role as a facilitator so i um in my sabbatical then i had to identify where were my learning gaps to reach my vision what did I have in my wheelhouse? What were my strengths? But what else did I need to learn? So I got um, certified in the Myers-Briggs um, uh, type ah, indicators. Okay. So I'm certified right. facilitator there. And then I also went to the Creative Problem Solving Institute. And that's when I met this whole fascinating community of creative professionals. I went initially for the training, but while I was there, I found my tribe. So I was going to just do level one training. The next two years, I went back. So I did all three levels of their training. And then I've kept going. Um, I also met um, the woman, uh, a woman, Mimi Sherlock, who became my co-author. And I'll come back to my book a little bit later. But there was one more key part of my learning journey. And that was when I began to um, discover this buzz around business storytelling and realize that I've been a storyteller throughout my whole career. Back when I did wellness classes, I would use um, story techniques to help people imagine how they might change and to learn from lessons in their in their past where they had perhaps made a successful life change before. And I found that there was this whole global movement around business storytelling. So I began to uh, connect to those LinkedIn groups, reached out to people who I thought were really fascinating, you know, it would start with some little private messages and then, oh, let's Skype. And I began to meet people across the world who were doing this fascinating work in storytelling and realized, I think I found a new angle.
0: Well, and I had no idea there was a creative problem-solving group out there. I think that is that in and of itself is fascinating. But also the fact that, you know, and I want everybody just to think this through a little bit, that when they see a commercial on TV, and it looks easy, right? Right. It looks like somebody was like, hey, I've got an idea for a commercial. Let's do this. All right, great. Woo, Off we go, right? It looks easy, but there's so much behind. You know, I mean, I know with digital media, even behind just an advertisement that you put out there on Facebook, there's a lot behind that before it actually shows up on Facebook. There could be all sorts of elements that you have to put together before it goes out there. So so it's it's good information for businesses to understand that it doesn't happen overnight. And what you're presenting to them is an opportunity really to to, uh, to really dig in and figure out their messaging so that they can get it out there and they can meet the goal that they want to meet. Yes. And there's, I mean, I appreciate all the work that must go into making that happen. Plus the fact that you uh, recognize that bringing in all these different skill sets and minds because You need all of them, right? Absolutely. You can't just do it with I, we we come across this all the time. There's no way I can run my company just with Mrs. Creativeness. Mm-hmm. The analytical people need to show up. Only. Only. <laughs> you know, I need the analytical people to show the numbers and you know why this creative idea is now working mm-hmm. type thing. And I I so appreciate your thought process around all of it. And I love that you like spent that time learning. Mm-hmm. to really bring real it all gift. together it
1: really changed my life um and then you know when I came out of that learning journey um it really has been a whole new fresh outlook on my career you know some rebranding some reinventing of myself but you know I'm now in a space where I'm doing exactly what I want to do and I this is what I want to do until I'm ready to retire so, oh,
0: I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So, um, t- tell us where people can get a hold of you so that they know. Like, I'm, I have a feeling people are listening and going, Yeah, I probably need to do it business.
1: <laughs> I have a problem to solve. <laughs> um, well, my website www.storlytelling.com. And storytelling is a spin on my last name. So, my last name is Storley. S T O R L I E and it's just all one word and there is a story on my last name.
0: It's a all Norwegian right, let's name. Hear it.
1: Store means big and a lee is a valley or a meadow. And I'm I have a Norwegian Scandinavian heritage. In um in Norway the oldest son would get the farm and all the other sons had to go somewhere else. But their tradition would be to take the name of the new land where they ended up. So I, do have, I had this little childhood um, kind of fantasy that I spun when I found out that that was the meaning of my name, that one of my ancestors, and I felt so sad for him that he had to leave his family home. But then eventually after wandering around, he ended up in some beautiful big meadow I lived happily ever after. So that will help you remember my name. Storley. That is really
0: cool. I love that. I love that. And you know what? Norway is one of those places I've always wanted to go. Now, weirdly, one of the fascinations I have is that they have heated sidewalks. (laughs) I'm like, fascinated with that fact because I want those but um, yeah well I but, did
1: get to go to Norway uh, my daughter um, did her student teaching there she was of was studying elementary education so I got to go over and travel around with her for 10 days and they I didn't actually yeah they did have some heated, heated sidewalks in uh, Oslo but they were also very practical they didn't make all their walkways cement that would get slippery. They just used a lot of gravel and other kind of rough surfaces. And then they wear very sturdy shoes. Um, ah. And they also cross-country ski a lot. So you'd, you'd be on the city bus and people would be getting on with all their ski gear. And- really? Yeah. And then
0: when we went up. Like the- they, they would ski to the bus stop?
1: Yeah. Or they, I don't know if they had skied from, yeah, from their house to the bus stop or if they'd been to a city park skiing. I'm not really sure, but I was just amazed. And then. When we went up into the mountains, we went up from Oslo, um, up over the spine, and then down into Bergen. And it was Easter weekend. And we got on and, you know, we're sitting there. And this was like, you know, more of the the year rail train. All these people were getting on with great big, like hiking backpacks. They're fully <laughs> outfitted in their ski gear, carrying their skis. Sometimes they had kids and families and they'd all get on and we're like, Wow, I wonder where they're going. And then where are you guys going? Yeah, and then we'd stop at these little mountain villages, and some of them didn't even have, you know, a post office or anything. It was just simply a train stop. They'd get off, they put their kid in a toboggan, put their skis on, and they'd go skiing off to their mountain cabin. I'll be darned. It was interesting. So inspiring. I love that. Yeah. I
0: love that. It's oh a my wonderful gosh.
1: country. I encourage you to go. Everything is just beautiful. And the people are nice and friendly. And everything's very clean and orderly. I know why they end up on the happiness index is at the highest ratings yeah. every year.
0: They do. Mm-hmm. They do. Wow. How cool. And I like the practicality idea, too. Yeah, you know, totally. Some, sometimes we go a little overboard. And we're like, ooh, bad idea. Because now we're all slipping and falling. And right. this is very dangerous. Yeah. And one of our St. Louis ice storms. So you actually have led me to I I, one of my questions for you Mm -hmm. was tell us about Rosendahl. Did I say it right? Yeah,
1: Rosendahl. That's where uh, my daughter was living on a fjord in a cabin. Um. Oh my gosh! When I first laid eyes on Rosendahl, it was this storybook moment. We had taken a fast boat from Bergen, which is a two-hour ride. That's how you had to get to, to the only way to get to Rosendahl in the winter time.
0: Oh, gotcha!
1: And that sounds cold. Yeah. Well, you know, it was a, they had it warm in there, and of course, you dress you dress up. You know, right. those of us who live in northern climates, we always say um, there's no bad weather, just bad clothing. So,
0: uh, dress oh, right. I like
1: that thought. Yeah, yeah. And then you can, you can you can get there. So we left Bergen uh, just as the sun was going down. We're, you know, taking this fast boat through these fjords, watching the sun go down and reflect on the ocean. But, you know, it's very protected back in there in the fjords. Lots of little islands. And we just keep going deeper and deeper back. The sun is completely gone just as the sun goes down. A full moon is arising. Ooh. And as we pull into Bergen, it's a village that sits with um, there's two mountains that come up from behind the where the the, the the docking area is, and they form like a like a W. And the moon was sitting in the crotch of that W.
0: Oh my gosh. The moon. It was. It was like waiting for you. You were supposed to have that.
1: It was <laughs> unbelievable, and it also happened to be really close to the spring equinox. Equinox. So, it never really got dark that night with the full moon and then the right. angle of the sun. I mean, the it was really like a supernatural experience. That's so cool! Here we I are love knowing Earth where the moon supernatural is. Supernatural experience. Yes. I, I
0: don't know why, but I'm I, I'm one of those people that always I want to know where the moon is yeah. at any given time. Like, yeah. where's the moon right now? Yeah. And I get really excited when it shows up in awesome places, yeah. you know, where where my loft is. I look out at, at City Museum in St. Louis and the other night the moon was like right over to the City Museum. So it yeah. like went over the praying mantis and then it went over the big, the uh, Ferris wheel on top. And I was just like, I mean, I didn't need TV that night. I just watched the moon
1: <laughs> travel know. along. Yeah, I, I love, love i Nothing like you know being on water and seeing the moon. It's
0: well, it sounds like you got to see a postcard in real life. I did. I did. That's what it sounds like. I love it. Yeah. So I, so you know, I did. I mean, obviously, I stalked you a little bit because I knew about Rosendale. But, um, but one of the other things I found out about you is that you are a lover of plants.
1: Do you have a favorite plant? <laughs> um, I have lots of favorite plants, but. I really like Asiatic lilies. You familiar with those?
0: I am not. I am not a good plant. I'm not very good at knowing plants. Like, I can look at, some, I think everything's a daisy half the time. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Asiatic lilies um, have, are, they come in a lot of different sizes and a lot of different colors, but they all look very exotic. They tend to bloom, at least up here in Minnesota, around starting early to mid-June and then into July. So they aren't like one of the early plants. And they provide this really dramatic structure. Um, They're kind of tall stalks with little leaves that um, kind of come out along that stalk. And then at the top is this just really exotic flower. And so I really love those. And then they propagate, so they'll spread and you'll get a bunch of them. Um, In my old house, which was sunny, uh, I had lots and lots of Asiatic lilies. But right now, we we moved a year ago, and I'm in a wooded area. So now my challenge is to learn about flowers that grow in shade. So this summer during COVID, um, we got into a bit of a landscaping project. We live on a creek. And when we moved in, it was all just kind of boggy and marshy. And if you walk to the creek, you're going to kind of wreck the soles of your shoes because they'd be all filled with brown mud or brown water. And um, you also couldn't really see the creek bank very well because of all these weeds. So we cleared out those weeds, built a patio and a path. And then I began to think about what flowers I put down there. And one of my favorite childhood flowers is lilies of the valley. Can you imagine those? You know, they have the little white flowers that come out and look like bells and they remind me of fairies. So I made a fairy garden down there. I have some trolls again, inspired by Norway. We have a troll house. Um, we have a couple different trolls that are kind of hidden in the trees. And then there's a fairy down there too. And so I'm kind of coming up now with this whole different type of um, garden theme that is around, uh, you know, woodland and shade and these kind of secret little um, plantings that you you have to look at a little bit hard. They're a little more subtle than those big dramatic Asiatic lilies. yeah, gotcha.
0: fun. It's like a little adventure yes. in your own backyard. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have another question for you, and I was wondering if you could give us a story
1: gem. Okay, well, first I need to define a story gem. Yes. I call story gems, um, I came up with this term, that they're raw story ideas. And they may or may not have the, you know, fully turn into a story, but they have the potential to. And it's God, a tool yeah. that I use to help um, participants who I'm, I'm teaching storytelling techniques to uh just mind their life or their work or their business, their company, whatever you know they're trying to find stories for, to just be non-critical at that early stage. Just
0: if, right. no idea is a bad
1: idea. Yeah, just no idea is a bad there, idea. Yeah. Right? So I will Yeah. I will feed them a variety of story prompts like, you know, did you ever have a a, a near um accident, you know, a, a near disaster? Did you um a favorite teacher? Uh, a best friend, um, an exotic place you went to. And as they just, you know, those prompts conjure different memories that people have to just jot down, you know, two, three words. And that's a story gem. That's the essence of it. And then what we do is we pick up those gems and look at them from different facets. You uh, You know, what's the deeper meaning in this story? How might it be applied? Does it have any connection to the problem I'm trying to solve, or to the communication I'm trying to um, deliver? And sometimes the connections just fall right into place. And sometimes you go, "Ah, you know, it's a great story, but I don't know that it fits, or I don't really but you see the got to get me. rid of it." Yeah, and yeah. And so that's one of the exercises we go through. So I love to have people imagine. Just keep filling up your story chest with gems, and maybe that first day you look at the gem, it won't really feel like it can turn into a story, but maybe in two years it will. So hold on to all those steps.
0: It's amazing. And, and I, I, so I'm with you because, you know, with, with what we would, we do at TEDx talks, there's many times where it's like, you know, we need that story. The story helps to carry the idea through, you know, cause we're, you're giving this gift to the audience of this idea. And there are times where, you know, we have to just, get real with it and be like certain stories We're like, I know it's a great story. It doesn't fit in this right. one. You have to get rid of it. And it's really hard to get rid of those things that you love. But when you're crafting a story or a talk or whatever you are crafting at that moment, um, you have to be able to really stick with exactly what you're doing right. and and like know that, that what's going to bring this home is the consistency and continuity and it all fits together like a puzzle.
1: Absolutely, I love that analogy. I um, I think that it, you know, I think of too as a strategic intent that when you're doing business storytelling, you do need to have a point to your story. Otherwise, going off on tangents with irrelevant stories is going to really annoy your audience and undermine yes. your credibility.
0: Exactly. Exactly, because it, it feels more self-serving, and right. you don't want it to be self-serving. You have to consider your audience. Right. I love it. Well, Jean, this has been fascinating. I thank you so much for your time today. I loved learning about this. It is so. Ex- it sounds way fun. First of all, it is fun. It just sounds like so much fun. It. I can. I know it's a lot of work at the same time, but it. I can tell you're living your passion, ma'am. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very and cool. And one thing we didn't talk about is my book. Oh, yeah. So yeah. tell us about your book. Yeah. So my, the title of my book is called Once Upon an Innovation uh, A Business Storytelling Guidebook to Creative Problem Solving. And awesome. so the book is really a culmination of everything we've been talking about. I met my author, um, Mimi Sherlock, at the Creative Problem Solving Institute. We met in a cafeteria and we had this intensely creative, productive, but very fast lunch sitting next to the tray line with, you know, lots of noise and clatter in the background. But we just had this mind meld where we felt like, wow, you know, there's things we can do together. It took us a few years and, you know, we had some attempts to do some collaboration and all of it was incredibly productive. But um, long and the short of it is that eventually she joined. I had already started writing the book and then I invited her into the process And what we did was um, build a model based on the creative problem-solving process, which I talked about, and that's clarify, ideate, develop, and implement. And we wove um, stories into that process. And so it's a toolkit, a toolbox, with uh, different techniques that we break it down and make it really easy for you to bring stories through all that. We have a chapter on visioning, and then those four phases of um, uh, the creative problem solving. And then we have a couple chapters on packaging an idea for stakeholder communication. Because half oh. of coming up with a winning idea is the creative team coming up with a really strong idea that's on strategy. But the other part is selling it into an organization. And I think sometimes right. that's the hardest part.
0: Oh, I agree. I definitely agree. Cause you got, I mean, there's the if they don't really if they can't capture what you're talking about, it's just a, okay, okay, got it. Let, let's move on yeah, thing. And then they and you it. don't want, yeah, exactly. Awesome. And it, your book's available at your website yeah, and Amazon Yeah, you can see Amazon it on the website. There's that. also
1: um, a website for the book, onceuponinnovation.com. Um, you can get it on Amazon. I prefer if people buy it direct from my warehouse, which is, you can get that on the website because then, It's more sustainable. The book only ships once; it goes right from the warehouse rather than shipped to Amazon and then shipped around again. So,
0: like it, love it, awesome. Well, thank you, Jean. Yes, thank you. And thank you for reminding me about your book because that's a that's a big deal. That that in and of itself is a lot of work. Yeah, I'll send you a book. Congratulations! I'll send you a book. Oh mwah! Yes. All right, uh, I'll send you my address. Please do,
1: (laughs) and I will get it out. I would love
0: it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Jean. I appreciate your time today. All right. Everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash Podcasts. We love you and adore you. Have an awesome day. Bye.